It's that time of the week again. It's that time when the latest episode of Digital Kill the Radio Star drops. Drop! It's time to waste another hour or so with David and Chris as they spout out more of their worthless music knowledge. It's time to hear them discuss the music of their youth. As well as the music of today. So kick back, relax, and have some fun with David and Chris. Digital Kill the Radio Star starts right What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Digital Kill the Radio Star podcast. Hope everybody's having a good week. I know I have, and uh, I hope my good buddy Chris has. What about you, Chris? All good, man. How are you doing? I'm well. I'm well. Uh, baseball is back, uh, so it's finally some sports to watch. Uh, my, my Braves aren't off to the best start, but uh, I'll take it. Yeah, I mean, it, it took a, it took a minute. It's weird. I, you know, if I put up, I haven't watched much of it, but I've seen some, and it's just it's weird watching these games. You know, when you have. Uh, Silence, and then they'll have the piped-in crowd. I know they're still they're still kind of they haven't finalized exactly. I guess everything they're going to be doing throughout the season. I've seen what I said cardboard cutouts mm-hmm. in the back behind the behind the dog, or behind the home plate. Um, yeah, it's cool. I heard something. I don't know if you told me, if if you if you've heard this, but the people that don't the people that sit like if if you have if you have season tickets, you have tickets. They'll put a cutout of you in that seat, or or or, or either if the ball hits that seat. You know what I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, they're they're doing crazy stuff like that, and uh, some of them you can actually buy a to have your um, like I'm watching it right now, the Braves and the Mets, and so Chipper Jones basically made his career off killing the Mets, and their old stadium was called Shea Stadium, and and, and Chipper named his new son Shea, and so tonight is his first game as a commentator for ESPN, and he bought a headshot of himself, and it's sitting in the stands behind. Uh, home plate there in new york but yeah you can do that and they're yeah they're doing all kind of cool things and i'll be honest with you the crowd noise thing i th- i think is kind of cool the, they're it's almost like they're they're piping in like mlb the show the video game crowd noise. well i heard they're doing that i heard they're actually using the same technology that's being used that's used in video games and that's what's putting the, that's how they're piping in the crowd i heard it's the same exact technology yeah it's it's really not that bad and and i've seen how the nba i don't know if you've seen any of the nba like scrimmage games they're basically bringing down partitions to come out, come around and have like the, the NBA uh, team's logos and stuff over like where the seats would be. So it looks like they're kind of like playing almost like in a high school gym. Um, okay. It's going to be interesting. The NBA thing is the one that I think they've really got to worry about with like, because in baseball, you know, there's not a lot of talking back and forth and you, and with the NBA, they're right. You got to wonder, you, they're going to, somebody's got to be on the sensor button. Yeah. You know, no, that's a good point. Oh, man. Interesting world. But I know we're not a sports show. We're here to be music dorks like we tend to do. Yeah. So before we get get to uh, kind of what we're going to be doing for the next four weeks, uh, there is an album. That's, I think it's actually a debut album by uh, a band has come out in, in the last couple of weeks. And uh, I had seen them mentioned in, in some of the Drive-By Truckers forums. And then Chris texted me how good it was. And I've given it a couple of spins, and I really like it. So why don't you tell everybody what it is, Chris? Yeah, and you know, it was a mutual friend of ours that recommended this, and that's how we get so many of our our music, so much of the music we love is the recommendations. And he told me about this band called Country Westerns, and the debut album, it's self-titled Country Westerns. And you know, these guys are, you know, they're a rock band, but they have, 
you know, you mentioned that they they you saw about them in the drive by truckers with the, I guess the forums, all mm-hmm. that you, you've seen them mention. And don't get me wrong, they don't sound like the drive by truckers at all. But where they parallel is they have the their the rock bands with that country, I guess country roots kind of a Americana type sound and at least hints of it. And this band, I think it does kind of their rock band with that a bit of Americana in them. Um, and so I. I checked this album out and it was one of those ones that I didn't have to listen to two or three times for it to hit me. It's the first listen is like, wow, this is really good. And, uh, looked into him a little bit and the, uh, the drummer is, is Brian Kyle. I want to say, I hope I say his name, right? Kotzer. He was with the silver Jews. And, um, I know when, before we started this, we were talking about it, David, and you weren't really familiar with them, but you know, we have a mutual friend that's really into them. And so I was aware of them, know some of their music, good band, and then the uh, singer guitarist is a guy named Joey Plunkett, who I read was in Gentleman Jesse. Uh, and I don't know if he played what albums he played on, but Gentleman Jesse, the album was Gentleman Jesse and His Men, came out in 2011. Fantastic album. So once I knew that he was, I think I saw that before I even really dove deep in this album that he played with, with Gentleman Jesse. So I thought, well, geez, man, now I really got to check it out. And uh, But anyway, back to this album. Country Westerns, um, phenomenal, phenomenal record. Uh, I was telling David, I think so far, and we're getting pretty deep into the year, as shocking as that is. You know, we're, we're well, at this point, we're getting well past the halfway point. And so far, I, I think I probably have to put this as my album of the year. Um, check these guys out. If you want a couple, just a few songs, the leadoff track, Anytime, I'm Not Ready, It's On Me, maybe my favorite one on there. Um, close to me, slow nights, but there's not a weak track on here. Yeah, check those guys out and uh, follow them on their uh, their social media. Somebody we'd like to actually have have on here and have a chat with. All right, so uh, you'll notice this week when you uh, hit the hit play on the podcast after our normal intro, there was a snippet of a song. It's called "Looking for a Way Out" by the band Uncle Tupelo, and uh, that's a little teaser of what we're going to be talking about today because. Uh, we're going to do something we've never done before. Uh, we're going to have like a, a, a themed month um, starting in August. And uh, it's going to be called an August of Americana. And uh, what we thought we were going to do is, you know, Americana music obviously has been around for, you know, <laughs> a long, long time. But we wanted to concentrate, I guess, on the resurgence of it or what has brought it to kind of national prominence in the last, I don't know, 30 plus years and so uh, what we're going to do is we're going to focus mainly on the, the No Depression movement and what came out of that. And then uh, we've got an interview lined up in a couple of weeks with someone, and, and we're going to talk about the second wave bands, and then we're going to talk about some of the people that have come after that. And uh, I'm, I'm really excited about this, Chris. Yeah, I am too. And, you know, we, we're, we're, you know, we could easily, I guess we could have gone further back. Yeah, we could we technically could go to bands like the Flying Burrito Brothers and Graham Parsons and what he did because I think that did influence a lot of this music. I think they were early innovators, but I'll look at it this way: with what we're really going to focus on today. If you think of if you think of grunge, technically Nirvana was not the first ones doing it. You know, they were borrowing a lot from bands like the Melvins, and then the Melvins were getting influenced by other bands. But Nirvana was the one that really knocked the doors down. They really were, in my opinion, they are the godfathers of grunge. And and we're going to talk a lot today about who I feel, and I think David would agree with me, they are the godfathers of all country, Americana, however you want to call it. And I think this is a band that when, you know, I, I see them. I've seen a couple of articles, or a couple of things where they bring in different musicians, people from the drive-by truckers, from Lucero, um, etc. They uh, they they bring them in. Uh, Rhett Miller, I know, was on, and they of old '97s, and they they always talk about this this band. They always talk about the influence. They talk about their albums, and they kind of break down the tracks. So B.J. Barham of American Aquarium, he's another one that I've seen interviewed about these records, and, and of course, the band we're talking about is Uncle Tupelo. Yeah, they're, they're kind of like, you know, there's the joke about uh, the Velvet Underground, what only a couple hundred people listened to the Velvet Underground, but every one of them went out and started a band. 
and, yeah. and they're kind of in that vein. I mean, they never. I think uh, their Anodyne album, I think, may have sold like one hundred fifty thousand copies or something like that. Um, but they never were a, you know, a co- commercially successful band. And I was doing some reading on them, and apparently, like, they very rarely even got royalties from their album sales from um, <laughs> the record company. But they uh, they caused a resurgence in in, in music and. But also, they also, as we're going to talk about, forged their own path. They they took some left turns where other people would have stayed down the center lane. And there are a lot of bands that came after them, like Chris said. Uh, and uh, members of those of Uncle Tupelo went on to have much, much more successful careers than the band itself did. Um, and I, Chris and I think came probably became aware of them basically at the same time. Our mutual friend Shannon. His brother was in college when Uncle Tupelo was was hitting the southeastern college circuit, and uh, turned him on to them. And is that is that where you came to know him, Chris? It is, and you know I'll say this too. I already said not not a lot of people listen to him. I or they didn't. They certainly weren't at the shows. They were playing. You know, it was a uh, in St. Louis where you know where they well they were actually formed in Belleville, Illinois, which is a neighbor to St. Louis. They were playing a little, I remember reading in, in this Wilco book that came out years ago, they, they really cut their teeth in a little pizza place, little dive music venue. Nobody was coming to see these guys. And, you know, I think that, and I actually, I remember seeing, seeing Jeff Tweedy do a solo show. And he, at the end, he was about to play an Uncle Tupelo song. And he said, are there any Uncle Tupelo fans here and here? And the place just erupted. And he just kind of smiled. And anybody that's ever seen Wilco or Jeff Tweedy knows he's kind of a witty guy. And he just looked at the crowd and he kind of shook his head. And he laughed. He went, Where were you? And everybody just started laughing. But I think that though they didn't, they, they never did get big. They're, they're like the bands, like you said, uh, Velvet Underground, the Stooges, different bands like that just really left a in, lasting imprint on music. Uh, they had a big, big impact. Very influential, but I do think what's a little bit different, I don't think the Velvet Underground, if they had stayed together, with the, what that sound was, I don't think they were ever going to break big into the mainstream. I don't really think Iggy and the Stooges, if they had kept that sound, were really going to break it big. I'm not saying Uncle Tupelo would have broke big, but I think they were on the right track. Um, we'll talk about this a little bit, but I think they're already getting that momentum. And then they released an album that made them take not a step back, but probably about five steps back, which we'll get into that. I know, Dave, you already know what I'm talking about. But um, and based on that, you can say in some ways their own deci- their decisions are what kept them from really getting bigger than than they were. But I think if they had stuck it together after Anodyne, uh, maybe whereas Wilco and Sunvolt went out and both had some pretty immediate success. I think the next Uncle Tupelo album might would have been that same success. I agree. I agree, especially, you know, they had an appearance on Conan and had some real, like I just double-checked it to make sure Anodyne did sell 150,000 copies. I'm actually surprised by that number. I am too. The, the No Depression and Still Feel Gone combined for 40,000 in sales. So, I mean, they, you know, they won, was it Sire Records? And that was what Anodyne was on. And, uh, they made it to like that Billboard Heat Seekers chart, and I think the record company was really going to get behind them. And you know, we'll get into that a little bit later. They they just self inflicted wound after self inflicted wound. But all right, so through this next couple of weeks, you're going to hear some ter- terminology, and I want Chris to kind of explain it for everybody so that uh, everybody kind of understands. You're going to hear the term no depression, the no depression movement, and alt country. Chris, why don't you kind of tell people well, what that means as far as no depression and i think david that you're this is what you're talking about that there was a magazine and a website and all the that came that really got big for this this movement and it was an uncle tupelo song which is actually a cover song but still it's a cover of a i believe it was carter it was a carter family song but that song it kind of i guess you can say kind of really the movement's almost named after it in a way, after what they did to that song, which they weren't the first to take a, you know, a Carter family song. I mean, geez, those, 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 they got covered, probably maybe one of the most covered of any country music history. And then when you talk about alt country, 
Oh, country, it is what it sounds like. You know, it's uh, you take the alt, just short for alternative, and country because it it is so heavily rooted in country music, and there is that country music, but they take these different elements and they they forge their own sound. And as I said, you go back to the Flying Burrito Brothers, a Graham Parsons solo. He was already doing some some of that. He was. He was more country, and, and you know, guys like Towns Van Zandt, you know, there's another one. They were country, but they're a little bit left of center. They're doing stuff a little bit different. But where Uncle Tupelo came in and really gave it that different sound, is I think they took, they brought instead of just rock, they brought in punk, and they brought those punk elements, which kind of went away a bit as they went on as a band. It was more of what. The bands that followed would have which is more of a traditional as we say alt country but uncle tupelo yeah it was a little bit more the punk influence that came in but that's all it is it's just alternative country i mean just as in the 90s what was big on every time there was an alternative radio station and which of course you get me hung up get me going on that again and i'll tell you again how stupid that is that alternative was the mainstream <laughs> right yeah if you're like it, it, at certain times, if you wanted to listen to alternative music, it would not be what you were listening. You know, REM at one became not alternative. Oh yeah, they were the mainstream. That's what it was so funny that there was a genre. The biggest genre in the world was called alternative. Right. Yeah. See, that's kind of a that's kind. Of, I've always thought that was fascinating. Like, I guess at that point, alternative music would have been like something from the seventies or something. You know. Well, I mean, or you could look at alternative bands like Sonic Youth were still. I mean, Dinosaur Junior, which they end up having some nineties hits and all, but they were still. There's still plenty of stuff that truly was alternative because that's all that is. It's alternative to the mainstream. Alternative to what's being played on every other station, but then the alternative became the mainstream. Never quite happened alt country though. Right, I mean, you're not, not going to turn on a radio station, your your favorite pop radio station. Well, now you turn on your favorite pop radio station, you're going to hear Beyonce, which, you know, don't get me started on that one. But this was never, this was never a huge, I guess, radio friendly type mm-hmm. of genre. But it's uh, a lot has come out of it. Um, and you've seen a lot of big bands. We mentioned at the beginning the Drive By Truckers. You, you look at the success that Ryan Adams has had, uh, and there's a long, long, long list of people which we'll get into. But again, this, the focus is on Tupelo, and I know I'm rambling like crazy, but I got so much to say about these guys. So the you know most people know the the two principal members are Jay Farrar and Jeff Tweedy, and uh, Mike Heidorn was the um, was the drummer, and and Jeff Tweedy played bass, and Jay Farrar played guitar, and Farrar sang most of the songs. Tweedy sang some, and his involvement in singing um, uh, got more as the band went on. And then they eventually added uh, John uh, Sturrott, uh, who was in a band called The Hilltops, which eventually turned into another pretty popular alt-country band called Blue Mountain. But he he joined. And then uh, who was the uh, fiddle player they hired? Um, I've lost his name. I can't think of it. Anyway, so at the, but that was all at the very end. That the ship was sinking at that point. So what we're kind of going to focus on it really is is kind of Jeff and Jay, and they like like Chris said, they grew up in Belleville, Illinois, which is um, east of St. Louis in southern Illinois. And the way Jeff de- describes it, you know, in his autobiography and everything, it sounds like a pretty bleak place to live. And uh, like a lot of rural places, people there were, you know, into country music and stuff like that. And, and, and Jeff and Jay, they liked some of that old school country stuff, but they were also, in, like you said, the Minutemen. They were into the Stooges. They were into punk. And uh, I think they kind of bonded over kind of that initially, don't you? Yeah, well, you know, it's it's been, I haven't read the, I know it's crazy, but I still haven't read the Tweety book. It is, it is on my list. But I did read the book. Is it learning, learning to die? Right? Is it yeah. The, or learning how to die, and that was a phenomenal book. But I, I believe, I mean, they were young in high school when they got together, and I think it was what happens with a lot of bands. It was uh, in high school. There's only so many kids that are into the type of music that that they were. That are just like when I was coming up. There's only so many people I could really talk to about music, and. And then they, they actually started playing in a band called The Primitives, which uh, Jay's brother, Wade, sang lead vocals. And 
I don't remember all the story. I mean, we're not trying to give a whole history lesson. We're going to talk more about the music, but that is how it morphed. And I think it was just that common bond of a couple of guys in music. And that's how they, Jeff and Jay became buddies. Yeah. And they just, like you said, they bonded over that music and you grew up in a small town and you're, you're listening to something that's not in the mainstream. There's not going to be a lot of people kind of for you, like you said, for you to talk to. And this is of course, before the internet, before all of that. So, you, you know, you only had a few people to commiserate with and, if you found that person, you bonded with them, you went to the record store together, you traded stuff, you know, they, Jeff talks about in the book, them, you know, um, laying around, you know, listening to, to music together and, and just really bonding over a lot of that. So let's kind of get to that, that first album, like we said, that it, which created the movement known as, uh, no depression. And, uh, this was something that you just would not have heard. Like you said, on the radio, you wouldn't have heard this on country radio or rock radio. And, no, and it was released in 1992. Let's keep yeah. that in mind. Yes, I mean you you couldn't go from you know unskinny bop to uh, graveyard shift, <laughs> you know on on the radio. All right, so Chris, I mean you know th- this is this is the album that starts it all. The magazine's named after it. The movie, the movement's named after it. Kind of, what are your thoughts on it? I really like it. It's different from the, any, the from the other records that they did. You know, this was. It was more so, I feel like, than any other records. It was the one that, well, actually, Still Feel Gone has it too. But they really, they really kept together that that strong punk sound. I mean, you could hear it in a song like Graveyard Shift. I mean, it's it's got the country influence, but the noise of Dinosaur Jr. You know, it's a noisy song, and it's just. I don't know. It was, it's so different. Even to me to this day, I, I think about all the different, the Americana bands, all country bands. This one to me just does sound different. I, I, I really like the record. I mean, of course I'm a big fan of all of them. And like you said, early on, Jeff Tweedy didn't, he didn't get a lot of the songs, but I think it's because he wasn't quite there as a songwriter, not to the way that Jay was. And he started developing those skills, but he still did have, you know, some good songs on here. You know, the, we were talking about it earlier with our friend, some of our favorite Tweety songs. That year is one of my favorite ones that he's ever done. And that's on this album. Uh, but the song No Depression is off this. Of course, the, the album, the album being called No Depression, the song No Depression, and then Graveyard Shift, I feel, if you want to listen to, it, it's almost, it's kind of, it's kind of a bold statement. That's all. Since I'm using the whole Nirvana analogy, let's call it Graveyard Shift. There smells like Teen Spirit. I mean, I think that's just a big iconic, iconic song, and I mean, it really sets a tone for this record opening track. I'm pretty sure that's the first song I ever heard by them. Our our friend used to blast that late at night in the fraternity house uh, a lot, and um, I, you know, I, I obviously they were around. They broke up in '94, and that was my my freshman year of college. So when they were Play, they re- were really big on the kind of the, I don't know, Missouri, Arkansas, Tennessee, Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama um, college circuit. And, um, th- you know, they really cut their teeth there and uh, were, were really big. And people that we know have that, ha- that saw some of those shows uh, in a place like St. Louis or in Oxford or something like that really, really talk, you know, highly of, of those. Um, the song No Depression, um, I, I, I love it. I mean, that like you said, they... They go from graveyard shift to no depression. I mean, that's there's two totally different songs, but they still have kind of that that common element that that they're that country influence on it. And let's talk about Jay's vocals here real quick. Jay Farrar at this young age sounded like a grizzled. I've been touring on the road for twenty five to thirty years, gargling Jack Daniels every night, chain singer, smoking, chain smoking. Man, I you know I, I don't have the greatest range, but what I do, I can send. I you know I can convey emotion. I I agree, and also I'm gonna take the um, I'm gonna take the part from. This is something that I think he did a, a great job, like Bruce Springsteen. He, I mean, I don't know what his upbringing was, but I know he wasn't spending his life working in the factory, and. He does what Springsteen always did. Springsteen made you believe that he was going to the car wash when he was done making that record and going to go start washing cars. Very blue collar. And I believe that that's what 
what Jay did a great job of. I mean, he, like you said, you, you hear the emotion in it. He does a great job of just selling, selling it. His, and like you said, his voice. Yeah. It was the oldest, what early twenties guy probably ever. Yeah. And, and Jeff Tweedy, um, you know, admittedly in, in his book and stuff talks about, he wasn't very secure with his confident in his singing or songwriting. Um, I've got a point. I've got to point out my favorite Tweety song that that you like to crap on is uh, "Screen Door." Um, I, I just I, I like that song. I love that song. To me, that's just a great like sitting on the back porch at, the, at you know during the summer having a beer, waiting on your uh, your ribs to smoke or something song. Um, and then we have you know I I can't remember if this is on the original or if it's on the bonus because I'm looking at it and I can't really tell. They did cover "Sin City." Yeah, that's the that's the bonus track. Bonus track. And- yeah, so people that don't know that that's a that's just a great Flying Burrito Brothers song, Sin City, and yeah, that's a that's a great great cover, and and then they all, they also do John Hardy on here, which I really love that, and man, I I hope I'm getting it right. Is that is that Lead Belly? Uh, I think it's Lead Belly, but anyway, that's a great one. My my favorite is my favorite two are probably Life Worth Living and So Called Friend. Um, like most of the records for our songs are my favorite ones, you know, but as people listening to this, they, they, anytime we've talked about them, I think they probably already know. I, I go more in that for our camp, not kind of, sort of, but way more in that for our camp than I do Tweety, um, like Tweety, but with Uncle Tupelo, Farrar's my linen. Well, here's my thing on Farrar's voice. And I've said this before. I love his voice. I think it's perfect for what he does. But after five or six songs, sometimes I need a little bit of a break from it. Um, yeah, it doesn't happen for me. You know, I, I would be just fine with, and I like what, I like what, don't get me wrong, I like the Jeff Tweedy songs. And he added a lot to them. But the best ones to me, just to me, like I said, they're always for our songs, Life Worth Living, So-Called Friend, uh, No Depression, John Hardy, uh, Graveyard Shift. Just great, great songs. Whiskey bottle. That man, there's a there's a down and out one. That's a yeah. that's a happy tune, right? Yeah. <laughs> Don't listen to that one if you're thinking about killing yourself. Um, all right. So they they released that album and they they've kind of got gaining some underground buzz and they uh, they get some touring under their belt. They go back in the studio and they produce what I think is their best all around album, Still Feel Gone. And the thing that separates Still Feel Gone to me a little bit more from No Depression is um, from a sonic standpoint, it's a little more of a rock album. Um, it's not as much of the of the country um, and 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 kind of folk music that you had on some of the No Depression tracks. Um, sitting here looking at it, uh, the opening track "Gun" is awesome. Uh, looking for a way out, it's a great song. Still be around. That's my favorite for our tune. Um, there's just something about that song that just gives me the feels every time. And then. Uh, you have a song like Postcard and D Boone, which is a tribute to the lead singer of uh, the Minutemen and, and True to Life. Just just a really good album. Yeah, look, I mean, this is my favorite one, and I love all the songs you named on here. I I don't think you named Postcard, that, but that's yeah, I did. another one. I did. Oh, you did. Okay, sorry. But um, yeah, when you mentioned Still Feel Gone, you talk about one of the ones that just gives you the feels. Well. People that haven't heard this, and I, and I hope you're going to give them a shot, you know, if you've never really listened to them, but just listen to the, just listen to the lyrics in this song. When the Bible is a bottle and the hardwood floor is home, when the morning comes twice a day or not at all, I break if I break in two, will you pull put me back together? When the puzzle's figured out, will you still be around? And that's about in his early twenties. <laughs> yeah, and you know, there's a. A lot of this album, and well, Jay Farrar always had those those type those type lyrics, you know, um, and and I think that you can get you get those from from Tweety as well. You know, this has one of my favorite one of my favorite Jeff Tweety songs, which is Cold Shoulder. You know, that certainly it's another one. It, it's no happy tune. No, yeah, no. I mean, that, that's that's one that uh, I'm not tr- and then what a great line! Your heaven looks just like my hell. You know, I mean, damn, that's a that's a cool line. I love that. Yeah, it's definitely one of my favorite Tweety songs. Tweety, you were starting to hear more of an emergence from Tweety on this album. Gun, 
was, I guess, in the same way that you had the that that opening track off No Depression that just really came out the came out the gates and hit you hard. Well, so did so did Still Feel Gone with the song Gun, which was really different too. And I know we keep saying everything's different, everything's different, but this one really was because that was to me that's just a rock and roll song, right? You know, that's not an all country song to me. That's just a rock and roll right. song, but it's a great rock and roll song. And then looking for a way out, I, I can, I can put that in consider, consideration anyway, as being up there with my favorite Uncle Tupelo song. That and still be around. Uh, I love those. True to life and like I said, cold shoulder. Great, great, great songs. And uh, this one also had a. Well, I believe this was. What wasn't it that wasn't it released on the official release that I want to destroy you, or is that also bonus? I can't remember that's, that. One. That's uh, that was a B side. Okay, yeah, but that one was that's a great great cover of the, of, uh, the Stooges. And one cool story about this, I I said I don't remember reading the book. I don't remember all about the book, but one thing I do remember about that Wilco book is Jeff Tweedy saw a girl come into the into the bar who he, I guess, had been dating, somebody he was not very happy with. I don't. I guess they weren't together anymore. And he dedicated that song to her. And they went right into that song when he saw her. <laughs> I mean, now look, Jay Farrar's not never going to win a personality contest. But Jeff Tweedy, regardless of what you think of what he's doing now, is a funny guy. Yeah, and that's one way to really get at somebody. I mean, you walk in and you get a song dedicated to you that says, I want to destroy you. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's not the biggest compliment. But no, this is this is a, uh, this is a great record. Uh, like you said, got a lot of just more pure rock in it. And I think it also, too, we haven't really talked about this, but I love the title, Still Feel Gone. It's great. Love, love, love that title. So if you're listening to this and, and, and you have never listened to any of this music and maybe you're kind of scared off by the title alt country and, and, and you know, I'm I'm not a big country music fan at by, by any stretch of the imagination. So I can understand if you're not into country music being scared off by this, this is the album to try. This is the one to try and then then you can spread out from this one. But this is the one that that if if the country stuff makes you a little uneasy, you're not the biggest fan of. This is the one I, w- I would go to first. W- wouldn't you say the same thing, Chris? Absolutely. I mean, it, it's it's definitely going to appeal more to the masses. It's the one that I think they really, really could have built off of this record. And where we said the next one after Anodyne, which we'll talk about in a minute, the next one off of that could have really broke them. Well, the next one after Still Feel Gone could have broke them. It could have made them big, but like I said, they would have had to stay together and keep going after. But they, I guess, what I'm trying to say is they delayed. They delayed what could have been big success, and I think you really got to respect them on that. They did what they wanted to do. You know, they didn't. They weren't seeking fame and fortunes because they knew what was coming next was not going to give them fame and fortune. And uh, like I said, so. You respect that. I mean, it was a hell of a move. It was a risky move, um, but it's one that worked out with a just brilliant, brilliant, brilliant album. Yeah, so what he's talking about is an album called March 16th through 20th, um, 1992, and this was produced by Peter Buck. Now, Peter Buck had heard their version of Atomic Power and was really impressed with it and basically asked them to come to Athens, Georgia. He would produce it without a fee, and he put them up in... um, uh, his house and you know that like like we said still feel gone built on no depression there they were getting bigger there was momentum and they go in and put out an album that basically they deconstructed everything they've done before that yeah they took a step back you know if you go they went out and they did well really what they did they did an acoustic record it was all acoustic it was you know, jeff Tweedy has said though he thinks it's their heaviest record and I, I think I know what he's saying. I mean, it, it it's, uh, at least emotionally, it's heavy. But great, great songs, great just reworked versions of old traditional songs. For for example, Moonshiner. Um, Moonshiner is probably one of the first songs that I really, that really captured me. 
with Uncle Tupelo. And that's when I started trying to dig a little bit deeper. And and then I, I started listening to the record as a whole. And I just loved it. This was because this was this, so technically, I guess this was probably one of the first albums of theirs that I got into. I really can't remember. But I think that the song Moonshiner is what really opened the doors for me. Um, I don't know about you, David, but that, like I said, that's one, that's, I think that's probably the one that hooked me the most on Uncle Tupelo. And to this day, even though I say Still Feel Gone is my favorite, I can make an argument that this one is my favorite. They're different records, but, and, and this, this one is more rooted in traditional sounds. Um, the, the, you talked about Atomic Power. That, I mean, my God, that's a Leuven Brothers song. If you don't know who the Leuven Brothers are, they were one of the early, early, early country music pioneers. Yeah, so this one, like you said, Moonshiner for me, it's a top five Uncle Tupelo track for me. It's a traditional song that they reworked and made their own. Um, Jay Farrar sings it, and I mean, he just he guts you and pulls your guts out and 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 just leaves you in you know hurting. It's but it's such a good song. I'll admit, I never have gotten into this album the way a lot of other people have. Um, I've, years ago on Record Store Day, they did like um, a limited edition release, and I, I picked it up. But um, it, it's the one I'm by far the least familiar with. Yeah, I mean, it, it's like I said, for me, it's Still Feel Gone and March. Those are the ones that I'm most familiar with. And, you know, I'm going to make a, a bit of an analogy, too. I mean, I, I know it wasn't so much of a departure just because he, he was huge. Well, not as big as he was going to become. But in a way, this was almost like they're, spring, they're doing the spring scenes in Nebraska. You know, Bruce said he was coming off of off the river. He had made Darkness on the Edge of Town, Born to Run, these just big rock records. And then he just strips it all down, goes acoustic, and writes this haunting, somber, moody record. And I think that's what Uncle Tupelo did here, too. They just com- just completely, I mean, threw a complete 180, but nobody would expect from him. Yeah, and a lot of people that are Uncle Tupelo fans really gravitate toward this one. Uh, this would this is the last one I would say for you to try if you were trying to get into them. That, that it's more of an acquired more of an acquired taste. But even with kind of the the left turn that they made with that, and you could say from a career business standpoint, the wrong turn, um, they still got signed to Sire Records. And like we said, they added on John Strott. And man, I am drawing a blank on the other guy's name. I apologize. Um, but they add, add John Starrett, who, like we said, was in a band called The Hilltops with Carrie Hudson and, and uh, his uh, twin sister Laurie, and they were they were um, the Hilltops were were in that Americana vein, and they toured and opened for uh, Uncle Tupelo several times, and so they asked John to come in, and John is a bass player, and he's been in Wilco from the beginning, and you know Jeff Tweedy famously said one time, I can. Abs- Wilco can absorb uh, everybody else leaving, but I, we can't absorb uh, John leaving. So he and Jeff have always had like a musical, kind of a musical relationship. But they go in for Sire Records and put, produce an album that honestly is, is, for them, I think is fairly commercial. And, you know, like we said, they, they got on uh, Conan O'Brien. It was their big national debut. And one of the problems with that is... Uh, they the record company really pushed them to play a Jeff Tweedy song and not a Jay Farrar song. And if you watch that video, Jay Farrar's about as excited to be there as somebody about to have a colonoscopy. No, he was pissed. He was pissed about that. And I guess I get it, you know, because he, Tweedy was just now really starting to emerge as a songwriter. And they, they first get their their break and they want a Tweedy song. Um, you know, but when you're talking about the, this album is to me it's i guess they're they've mastered their sound at this point i guess you can say and i think they found their true sound and i know that may sound a little bit weird because i'm just saying still feel god's my favorite and i'm obviously march should be my second so why am i saying they found their true sound on this i think this is what i think this is that where they would have stayed you saw that the two albums that came from this where they split off you know, you got Wilco's Wilco's AM, and then 
And then you got a uh, Sunvolt Trace, and Sunvolt Trace was really just another Uncle Tupelo record, if you think about it, as far as the sound of it. But Wilco's wasn't that far off, and I think this is when they finally solidified their sound. They found th- what they were looking for, and to me, this is if you want to know alt country, if you want to know Americana, what is the sound? Put this one on. Yeah, I'm sitting here looking at the songs. A Cuff Rose, great song. Um, the kind of like more contemporary um, sounding songs are like The Long Cut, Give Back the Keys to My Heart, um, We've Been Had. But then you have songs like Chickamauga, which, um, you know, got gets still get, Jay Farrar still plays that one a lot for an encore. Um, you had the <laughs> kind of tongue in cheek funny song, New Madrid. Uh, 15 Keys is one a lot of people really like. Um, just really, you know, at the t- for them to have as little exposures they have and that to sell 150,000 albums is actually pretty impressive. You have music coming on now. Yeah, it actually, <laughs> I hit the wrong button on Spotify. Sorry about that. That was a little slate. Yeah, he was wanting. To, he's getting ahead of himself. He wanted to play y'all some music. Yeah, but uh, yeah, this one, this one's really. I really enjoy the record. And as I said, this is this is one. This is what the, when I when I said I've seen people talk about Uncle Tupelo records. They talked about the first one, and then they talked about this one. And the last one that they put out, and I think it was No Depression that put it out, where they interviewed several people. I think Patterson Hood was on it. Uh, B.J. Barham. Rhett Miller. This one's one they really just broke down. And when you said a little bit more polished commercial sounding of We've Been Had and The Long Cut, well, that's more the direction, you know, that, that Jeff went in. Jeff Tweedman, Jay Farrar, he stuck to this. You know, he, he wanted to keep with this more traditional Americana sound. Mm-hmm. But this one... It has some really, really good tunes on it. The opening track, one of my favorite Uncle Tupelo songs, Slate. I'm with you, A Cuff Rose, great song. That's one of Tweety's best ones for my just for me. Chickamauga. I love I love everything about that one. I love it when they Yeah, I've seen we both seen Sunvolt so many times. And yeah, they, they haven't played it in a while, but they for there was a time where every time you'd see them, they would close with this. It's probably the only one that you were going to get. Actually, it was the only one that you were going to get until I saw them on one tour and they were doing Life Worth Living, but it was, well, and they've it been was a doing terrible a, version. They've been doing Still Be, uh, Still Be Around a decent number too now. I've never been able to see that. Like I said, I saw, I saw Life Worth Living and it was a completely different version. And as Shannon so eloquently put, that version was a life not worth living. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, this, this has... I mean, you said you said still feel gone as far as somebody who doesn't really want the more the country sound. I I do agree with that. If you want more of the true traditional Americana sound, this is the one you need to go for. Uh, this is one where I do think that the next record, I think I think they would have had some success off of it because if I know that Wilco, they didn't really have commercial success. Not not really with that first one. They had a video off the first one. So there was technically a single, but you didn't really hear it on popular radio uh, on the radio that again, we referred to alternative radio, but for our dead drown, you know, yeah. so I think next uncle Tupelo record, you probably would have got a single. Yeah. It would have, it would have made it to radio. Yeah. From a commercial standpoint, Farrar won the first round, uh, when they broke up and then what, and then Jeff got back at him. Well, you know, I mean, but part of that though is, you're right, but Jay Farrar, I think sticking to what Jay Farrar has always wanted to do, where where we said I don't think he, ca- I don't think Jay Farrar's ever, he's never, I don't think he's ever cared about success. In the same way that we go, the band I compare him to is in Nirvana, Kurt Cobain. It wasn't about success, and I don't think that's anything that he's really. Yeah, he wants to be able to obviously make a living, but he could have, he proved he could do something more from a commercial standpoint, uh, but. Tweedy was after, he was after more. You know, he wanted to experiment more of the sounds. And you, some of those later Wilco albums, he, yeah, he really, he got kind of out there. Yeah, he really, really has. But those those first two were an extension of Uncle Tupelo. And by the time they got to Summer Teeth, they were kind of a different animal. Yeah, and you know, we when we were going to do this, uh, it, it might, it might would take me a minute, David, but if you... 
I'm looking to see. Oh, wait, no. Uh, yeah, here it is. I was trying to find. We did do, and I don't know if you remember yours, David, when we were trying to get a friend to come on here and do this with us. We uh, we asked each other to give you know our top five Uncle Tupelo songs. I don't know if you have yours right off the bat, but I can tell them to you. Yeah, go for it. Still be around. No depression. Screen door. Looking for a way out. And we've been had. So, David, a little bit more with the... Uh, he, he, he has some Tweety in there. A couple Tweety tunes in there. When I go to mine, I've also got Looking for a Way Out. Still be around. But then I throw in Grindstone, Slate, and Life Worth Living. So, I, I just... I, I'm all, like I said, I'm all for R. I don't make any excuses about that, but I do like, I do like the Jeff Tweedy stuff. But, um, you know, these, even though I put these as my favorite ones, it's some that if I, that's what we did a few weeks ago when we asked each other our, our favorite five, if I did that right now, I don't know if I'd get the same ones. Yeah, it could change. I'd put, I'd probably find a way to put Moonshiner in there. Hey man, I could I could I could make an argument for it, but I'm the one that the, I'd say the two, the two that I say for sure, there's no way would ever 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 be out of my list. That's that's still be around and looking for a way out. Now, looking for a way out, I wanted to bring up this one too because the uh, the compilation that they did, I can't recall the name of it. Eighty three, ninety three, an anthology. Okay, the version they had of looking for a way out on that was phenomenal. Somehow, make it like all the rest You won't need to scrounge around for someone else Torn between the unknown And the place that you call home And the life you want but have never known There was a time you could put it out of your mind Leave it all behind There was a time That time is gone Tell me, 50 years in this town's done for you Except to earn your name place on a bar stool Spend your whole life in this county you never been out of state You say you're gonna make it out before it's too late There was a time you could put it out of your mind Leave it all behind There was a time, that time is gone Nothing seemed to make much sense Now this turned more intense And all the crutches you kept around Now we're nowhere to be found Remember when you didn't have To look ahead or behind you There was always something right there to do But now it's life in some kind of trap Looking for a way out We keep moving on, that's what it's all about there was a time you could put it out of your mind, leave it all behind. There was a time, that time is gone. The thing that struck me about that I feel like they did what I wish Uncle Tupelo had have done more of. I think they were they really had something that could have they, they could have done more of and made great. And that's harmonizing. I think they were good at it. And that song, that's on that compilation. It gives you a good example of it. But I don't think they did it as much as they should have. Because I think they could have been great at it. Ego's probably got in the way of that one. Probably. Probably. But I remember, too, when we, going back, uh, before YouTube got so big, if you remember, if you remember, David, we we came down as for that, that, uh, Saints exhibition game came down to Jackson. Mm-hmm. You remember I brought those uh, I brought those DVDs 
you talk about one of the most exciting things for me ever in music. YouTube, if it was even out at this point, it was infancy. Right. And somehow, some way, I'd found this guy out in North Carolina who had a bunch of Uncle Tupelo bootlegs. And he put them on DVD for me. And he didn't even charge for it. He wasn't looking for money. All you had to do was send him the uh, the DVDs and tell him which ones you wanted and a paid you know return envelope in there, and he'd send them to you. And seeing those shows were just incredible, actually, because they're pretty good quality. But I don't know if any of those full shows, I haven't even looked. I imagine they're probably on YouTube now, though. I forgot about that. I forgot have you looked at them? Um, I mean, yeah, I've I've watched that final show. That have here's a here's a piece of trivia for you. What's the final song Uncle Tupelo ever played? Oh, that I don't remember. All right, because I'm doing this on the fly. If I'm wrong, I'll edit it out. Um, I believe it was "Give Me Three Steps." Okay. Well, you don't have to edit it out. I mean, and you're wrong, um, you're wrong. Yeah, I, I believe I believe that's what it was. Speaking of our friend Shannon that got us turned on to Uncle Tupelo, I reached out to him last night and I said, give me five songs that if nobody had ever heard of this band, you would want them to listen to. And so he came up with five. Here they are. Graveyard Shift, Wait Up, Postcard, A Cuff Rose, and 15 Keys. Those are the five that he said that he would have uh, a newbie listen to. Okay, so say them slowly, one at a time. Graveyard shift. Graveyard shift. Graveyard shift. Absolutely agree. Wait up. Uh, that's an opinion. I don't know if I would pick that one, I, but I'm, it's a good song. I, I'm in agreement with you. Postcard. Not a bad choice. A Not cup, a bad choice. A cuff rose. Yes. And fifteen keys. Again. I like the song, but that may not be one that I feel like would be the, the truest reflection if I'm trying to pick five for everybody to hear. But, you know, it's it's an opinion. You know, I know that my five favorite ones, those aren't necessarily the ones I would go for. Because now, now if I try to do this, and I'm just winging this, you know, so now you're going to have to give me a minute. And we got we got nothing else to do, right? So if you just give me a minute, I, I'm going to go ahead and go. I'm going to agree completely, and I'm going to go with Graveyard Shift. Because of what we've talked about, I'm tempted to go no depression. I think I'd probably throw no depression in there. Then I'm going to go... I think i got to go still be around. Yeah. I think I have to go there. I like his A-Cuff Rose. I'm going to keep that. And I'm going to go Chickamauga. Not necessarily, like I said, I'm not necessarily saying they're my five favorites. Those are the ones I think are a good one. A good one. That's just on the fly. I might throw in "We've Been Had." That's just a good rock song. Yeah, it's 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 definitely a good start. No, th- but look, we didn't give y'all anybody a big history lesson on them because we didn't prepare for this. I'm just being honest. We just kind of winged it. And you can probably tell by some of the stuff we were saying. We just, I think you've learned at least at least with me. David comes a little bit more rehearsed. I just get up here and spout out my, you know. Worthless to many, useful to some. Music knowledge. Uh, I, I, I was going to say this: worthless to most, useful to to few. Right. That's how I should say it. And I just wanted to talk about the songs. Just talk about the records. And and I I really do believe, like I said, that this is the this is the most important band. And again, I'm not saying there weren't people before them but they were the one that I think kicked the doors down open and they're the ones that brought out bands that we're going to talk about in the upcoming weeks, old 97s, um, drive by truckers, new, uh, Lucero, newer bands, like uh, the newer bands, like uh, American aquarium. I, I think that, I think that I almost feel like they'd be, if you asked any of them was uncle Tupelo an influence and they said, no, I kind of almost feel like they'd be lying. Yeah, kind of like when uh, Greta Van Fleet says they didn't listen to Led Zeppelin. Well, not that big of a lie. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not get crazy here. But yeah, I do believe it'd be a bit of a lie. Yeah, so like Chris said, we're going to continue this next week and talk about what we're going to refer to as the second wave. And, and uh, my buddy Dean Gavney is going to join me and Chris. Uh, he did uh, a Drive-By Truckers episode. He's good friends with Patterson Hood. 
and uh, <clears throat> he also did uh, Exile on Main Street with me, and he uh, he has a lot of knowledge. He uh, he he's been around Wilco a while, and uh, so I'm I'm really looking forward to having him on. Um, Wilk, uh, Uncle Tupelo broke up. We're not going to get into that. You can go. I, 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 wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. I, I say we're not going to get into that. I do want to say something on that though. We're not going to talk bad. This isn't talking bad, but I'm going to ask you again. What did? Because I haven't read the book. How did Jeff Tweedy say it ended? He talks about he got drunk one night and. I, they were on the bus with Jay's girlfriend or whatever, maybe Jay's wife at some. I can't remember. I think it was his wife. Well. She at least became his wife. I know that much. Yeah, and and he, you know Jeff said I love you or something like that, and you know and Jeff is well documented has had his issues with alcohol and drugs, and they were a problem while he was an uncle Tupelo, um, mm-hmm. and so he kind of just played, you know, said I, you know I, it was probably joking or something like that. I don't think that's the reason they broke up. I think that was the straw that broke the camel's back. Well, I'm glad he owned that though, because in the book that that uh, that I can't think of the guy that the Wilco book that he did, he made it sound like Jay Farrar just didn't want to be in a band with him, and he was so cold and so mean to Jeff Tweedy. And I already knew of this story that you're talking about because if I'm not mistaken, and I may have this wrong. You know, I'm not starting rumors here, so I'm, I'm admitting that I may have this wrong. But I want to say Jeff Tweedy, you know, he never, I mean, Jay Farrar, he never did talk about it. Like, he doesn't talk about anybody or anything. But he was, I think, put on the spot and asked about it. And he did say that he, I think he just said he hit on my wife. And whether Tweedy was joking or not, if, if Farrar took that to be real, I get it. You know, I get it. And I think Farrar knew that he could do it without Tweedy. He didn't need him. And quite honestly, he proved it. Yeah. You know, he, he proved it when he, when he put together Sunvolt and put out Trace and had the most success that he ever had. But yeah, it, it definitely made the, that first, that first book about Wilco really made, really made uh Tweedy out to be the victim. And I knew, I don't think this is really true. And like you said, it's probably a bunch of other, it's, like you said, it was probably that final, final straw, but these guys did not talk. People that don't know anything about this band, I'll tell you, these guys did not speak for years. And this is another thing that I may have wrong. But didn't they run into each other at the same, on vacation so the story, at the same place? The story is that they rented a house, Jeff and his wife rented a house on a beach in Mexico. And uh, he gets up and goes for a run one day or something. And he's coming back and he sees his wife talking to somebody. And you know how, and you know how Tweety is. He's a great storyteller. He's like, there I am. And I look up and I go, no. It can't be. <laughs> and so I just walk up and he said, Jay goes, Hey, how's it going? And, you know, and Jeff's like, Hey. And said, so That was kind of pretty much it. And he said, It turns out the guy that had the house in between them was actually an Uncle Tupelo fan. And he was what like, a dream, He man. was like, Can you imagine this guy? He's like, Whoa, what's going on? You know? But I, I, I do, I, I have heard, I mean, I don't, they're never going to be on a, I don't think they're ever going to be on a Christmas card list. But I, I, I believe I've seen that, you know, through some business ventures with, with some of these reissues and stuff, that they have, that things have thawed, and at the very least, they can, I think, if they have to be, can talk to one another. Yeah, and I think that what, even though I think that a, you know, a reunion, a reunion tour would never happen, a few shows, I think, are possible. I think what's a little bit different is even though nobody was going to see them, back then I don't think that the I, I may be wrong but I don't know that it would just be these huge enormous crowds for an Uncle Tupelo show because people still wouldn't know who they are but uh, they would be big and they'd be bigger than anything they ever played for don't get me wrong but then you look at you look at the Misfits they were the they were a punk version of Uncle Tupelo meaning nobody was at those shows and they sold out Madison Square Garden so there's a little bit different. I mean, there, you can at least say there's some monetary incentive for them to do it. Maybe there's a little bit of monetary incentive for Farrar, but I don't think that there. I don't know that there is for Tweedy. I may be wrong on that. But I, I know if they ever get, if they ever do get together, I'm booking a, fl- a flight and I'm, I'm going there, and I'll be there to see the show. Well, I could see if they played their first show, it'd be in St. Louis. Yeah. Well, true. So yeah, that or Chicago. 
Yeah. yeah. But I but I will. Yeah. I mean, if they do it, I'll definitely go. And I don't. And I do think there's a good chance at some point that when you're talking about like reissues or whatever, may and it might even be more of a a festival. Like there was one that happened. I think it's already happened. I think it did happen before. Maybe it was last summer was the first one. I can't remember. But there was one that was it was kind of a alt country country ish, you know, not the left of the dial type country people. And they did a big time festival. I mean it even for me, I saw that lineup and I was like, Oh my God, this is insane. So could they possibly be the main act at something like that someday? Yeah. I or they could, so. or they could do it. You know, Wilco has that solid sound festival every couple of years. Yeah, I, I think it'd be I think it'd be cool to see. I hope we get it, but I'm not holding my breath. But I do think it's possible, especially in the way that so many bands do seem like. Yeah, like I said, perfect example being the Misfits. You know, the Stooges got back together and made a new record. Yeah. Smashing Pumpkins, for the most part, got back together. So, I mean, anything's possible. Yeah, so, I mean, we, we, we can dream. But, uh, you know, it's just, like I said, it's just not as, I don't think it'd be as marketable as a lot of those as a lot of those other ones. Because the average person just doesn't know who they are. You know, like, even when I brought, when I brought up the Misfits, you can say the Misfits. And most people have heard the name, even if they've never heard one song. And if they haven't heard them, Show them the Crimson Ghost. Oh yeah, I know who that is. There's nothing like that for Uncle Tupelo. No, no. Well, that's going to wrap it up for this week. Uh, this was a lot of fun. Like I said, we've been wanting to do something like th- kind of like this for a while, and, and I'm glad it's finally happening. Next week, Dean, my buddy Dean Gavney will join us, and we'll talk about the second wave bands. And boy, there's a bunch of them, and uh, that one's going to be fun. To play us out this week, Chris, pick the song. Here's Graveyard Shift by Uncle Tupelo. Take care, everybody. Town, same town blues, same old walls closing in. Well, what a life a mess can be. Well, I'm sitting here thinking of you, who wants to give? You thought to me. What's well, time won't wait, better open the gate. Get out, start needs to be done. It's one down, there's much you miss Working on that graveyard shift But I'm not saying this won't go wrong As the day comes along What I see is true, I can learn to believe Calibrate, pause that beat Might take it all away Together we'll burn, together we'll burn Say land of pain. Well, what side are you looking from? Some people have it all, and some fall again. Well, man, it's top of your time for a break. It's twenty dollar bill. There's plenty of reasons in this world. Move along or standing still.
time's been looking for a reason Since the simple ones beat the most truth Well, what a life a mess can be I'm sitting here thinking of you, won't you give these thoughts to me? Well, time on way better open the gate, get out, start, needs to be done. It's winding down, there's much you miss, working on that graveyard shift. 